We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. God be the glory. Oh my. To God be the glory. Oh, what a mighty God. Almighty oh, God, thank you. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, guys, sometimes you can't worry about the, the script. Sometimes you can't worry about the order of service. Sometimes you can't worry about those kinds of things, and I know what you're thinking, because I saw it on your face. But we better worry about the clock, though. <laughs> Praise God. I have something that I, as we were praying, the Lord brought something to, to my thoughts about how to hone us in and focus us. Beyond the 52, we've been in this series the last couple of weeks about how to take our faith beyond Sunday mornings, taking time off of the script, off of the calendar to just pray, to just pray, just to, to worship, to live in the moment and expect the Spirit of the Lord to meet you, to take a second to slow down and not run on. I know what that's like when you are on a mission. You got things to do. You got a calendar to keep. You got a schedule. You go, 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 go. You say, no, I believe God, God, God. And I believe that sometimes we run so fast, we don't really give it to God. We just get busier. And then we say, I know God got it. Well, sometimes you got to take a second. Let it out. Focus. And ask him, what will he have us to do. Over the last couple of weeks, the first week we talked about Jesus being the head. Jesus being the head. And we talked about if Jesus is the head, then he will form all the body parts. But if we don't recognize that Jesus is the head of the church and the church gives us direction, we end up like this. A head with parts all over the place. And all out of order. So Jesus being the head of the church, we have to recognize that so that we are in the right places, doing the right things, pulling all the parts together. Now don't go tell nobody I said Jesus and Mr. Potato Head are one and the same. In the second week, we talked about unity for the sake of the gospel. It starts with individual unity with Christ. Commit to a direction, move forward, commit to learning. And let Jesus put your pieces 
together. We talked about we have to recognize that in everything that we're trying to do, there's a way that we have to go about it, and we have to trust God to put our pieces together. Well, today, our subject title is Church is in Session. Because now we're ready to make sure that we understand Jesus is the head, we are the body, we have a role, and there are some things that we have to do individually before we can go out there and do the work of the church. And now we got to get the church in session. Colossians chapter 3, I'll read a few verses for you. Since you've been raised a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for greedy. A greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. We see some things here in Colossians. We see that this, this is all perspective of the ways that we see and think about things. So I have a question. What do you see and how do you see it? If we're going to talk about taking our faith beyond the 52 weeks of Sunday mornings, the 52 Sunday mornings, if you're going to do that, it's all about perspective. What do you see and how do you see it? The text is telling us, it's calling some things out that we have to first see it away. We have to identify it away because until we see it and identify it, then we don't know how to respond to it. You have to see it before you can respond to it. So I'm asking you this, in yourself, in us, in the church, do you see it as greed? Because if you don't see it as greed, then how do you respond to greed? Do you see what you're saying as dirty language? Oh, that's not, not really, because that's like locker room talk. That's how we talk. That's how we talk, you know, when we're in the executive suite, that's just kind of what we do. But if you don't see it a certain way, then do you identify it as such? Malicious behavior, slander. Oh, I'm not, that's not, not that's not slander. I mean, I'm not like really gossip. Like, I'm, I mean, I just shared it. <laughs> do you see it as malicious behavior? Do you see it as slander? Do you see it as sexual immorality? Because if you don't see it like that, then when the church comes and says we ought to behave this way and that way, then all of a sudden we have an issue and we want to talk about all the things and how we feel about the things because we don't identify it the same way. 
the Bible does. Maybe the questions we need to ask is about these kinds of things. Maybe we don't understand the definitions. That's why we have small groups. That's what Bible studies are for. That's what devotionals are for and books are for. That's what Christian movies are for. Because we need the church to fill in the blanks and provide the answers to things that we're confused about. We have to understand that the church helps us to train in here so we can go out there. It's very important. We have to be a church that is a training ground for the things that help us prepare for what's out there. So the church, we have to stay pure. So in the church, we cannot be full of greed and self-serving. So within the church, we have to work in morality. We have to deal with matters like the Bible dealt with matters, providing insight as the Bible provides insight. See, I'm of the opinion that Satan has normalized our moral failures and reshaped them into sinful acceptance. This is what's happening. There is so much because there are so many people doing it. We've just accepted it. Well, it's not that bad. And we just go along with it. See, I think that the disconnect is that we lack understanding of God's expectation of his creation. You are God's creation. I am God's creation. We are God's creation. So maybe it is that we lack understanding about what he expects from his creation. Could it be that simple? That we're just unclear? Because we have so much of the outside world shaping our worldview, shaping our opinions, and we take what everybody else says because there's a whole bunch of people who hide behind social media and otherwise, mainstream, and you have millions and millions and millions of people sharing an idea, and we take it as fact. Could it be that that's what's going on? Well, guess what? That's okay, because that's what the church is for, to bring forth the understanding. It's to bring forth the understanding about the things that you're confused about. If you in here are not confused about anything, raise your hand. You got all the, and like if, if you have all the answers to everything, raise your hand. Whew, I'm so glad you did not. I'm like, I'm going to have to take this in a whole different direction if I got somebody that raised their hand. See, my point is, those are the things that we have to create the culture at this church that we're willing to share and ask and talk about. Because the reality of it is this. The very same things you are probably struggling with, there's somebody else struggling with it too. The same thing that you're confused about and part of you says this, part of you says that, or could there be something that you have made your mind up about? And now people are trying to introduce some, a whole other thought process into it. And now you're questioning whether you were steadfast in what you thought and what you believed and what you were taught. I know that's happening every single day. 
to the point where you get stuck. I don't know what to believe no more. I'll just stick to myself. I just, I, I, See, here's what Leviticus, the 26th chapter, says. I'm going to paraphrase these couple of verses for you. But God says, if you follow my decrees and you carefully obey my commands, he says that I will send you seasonal rains. He says that your land will yield crops and your trees will produce fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with your grape season. Your grape harvest will overlap with your season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and you will live securely in your own land. In other words... If you obey me, you will want for nothing. If you obey me and you put your heart and soul into studying me, coming close to me, drawing nearer to me for yourself, all of your questions will be answered. All of your confusion will get clarified. All of your wants, all of your needs, all of those things will be met. I will be there to be with you wherever you go, through whatever you go, because you are my creation. And be clear about the expectation. He wants you to obey because we can trust and expect him to answer and respond when we obey. Wow. God does these things and he says the the more that we learn and Learn to obey. See the difference? Some of us are masters of information. But the more that we learn and then learn to obey, we will see God's faithfulness all the time. By the minute, like the rice. Daily, like the lotto pools. Weekly. 24-7, 365, 366 in a leap year. We will see God's faithfulness because of how we string together our obedience. So here it is. Once we have a perspective, and our perspective is shaped by the word of God and the testimony of those who have a relationship with God, now how do you behave when you know what you know. How do you behave once you know? So the first part is, let's look at some things. Let's review some things. Let's read some things. Let's learn some things. But then once you know, how do you behave? So Colossians 3 continues to go, verse number 12. Since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who defends who offends you, excuse me, remember, remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, with binds us all together in this perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all of his richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. So first we 
looked at how we're supposed to look at it. We gained some perspective. And then secondly, he shows us how should we behave once we know it. Now, I don't know about you, but the word behave kind of scratched the wrong itch for me. Like, I don't like, you ever been grown people? How would you feel if somebody looked at you and said, your behavior is unacceptable? My behavior? Who do you think you talking to? I'm not a toddler. I'm not a child. I'm not kicking and screaming. I'm not pouting. And you want to talk to me about behavior? Am I the only one that was like offended by this? You treat me like a child. You treat me like I got inter, intermittent explosive disorder. More and more adults are being caught on camera throwing temper tantrums. But there could be something deeper and more serious going on. They go to zero to 100 really fast. They may be suffering from a condition called intermittent explosive disorder. No, I don't need one. No, no, no. It affects as many as one in 20 people. A person who has intermittent explosive disorder feel they don't have control. What makes the disorder different from a bad temper, experts say, is the extreme response. Cursing at someone who cuts you off while driving, that's pretty typical. But chasing the car down and ramming it could be a sign of the disorder. I was flipping out, flipping furniture over. One man who started a vlog about living with the problem was relieved to find out the root cause and that it is treatable. I started to um, work hard to do something about it. Treatment typically includes therapy and learning techniques to calm yourself down. I'm doing this. I'm doing the side eye right now. I'm taking a, I'll take a deep breath. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the judge would buy the intermittent explosive disorder. I know, seriously. And parents, don't you buy it either? Yeah, really. <laughs> okay, you better Everybody move. just behave. I'm like, what's wrong with that? I didn't see anything that bad. Intermittent explosive disorder. You got to freak out and flip out because you're mad, you worked up. They give this thing a, a title. So I'm telling you right now, don't fall for it. You heard the anchor. She said, parents, don't fall for this. Your seven-year-old started going crazy. You said, what is wrong with you? And they said, well, I have intermittent explosive disorder. No, you have a bad attitude and it needs to be checked. <laughs> Why am I showing you that? These are adults. These are adults acting this way about things. And I think it's funny because the anchors are kind of having this thing before they're making light of it. Um, I I'm not making light of the frustrations of the world. But the scripture says that we ought to clothe ourselves a certain way. And when you wear a thing, you see a thing, it is a thing, right? And so when you clothe yourself in it, you can be seen. The text tells us that we ought to clothe ourselves in the things of our faith. Kindness and patience, love, we should wear that outwardly. And I know the world has treated us Christians in a way that says, well, if we act 
out there like we act in here, they're going to look at us weird. If you go out there with oil on your hands, praying to God in the middle of the parking lot, they will call and tell the police somebody that lost their mind. But this is what the gospel calls us to do to clothe ourselves in our belief because the impact that we can have by what we learn and train and equip ourselves with in here can shift the things out there. And you can't get caught up in hiding yourself in here and then going out there and, and, and hiding it and transforming it because then you become complacent and complicit in matters of the world. So how do we go beyond the 52? We become bold. We learn how to clothe ourselves and wear it outwardly, not awkwardly. We begin to allow ourselves to see ourselves as vessels to be used by God. I heard a story this week of somebody in this very room who went to a movie theater and was compelled by the Holy Spirit to blurt out, if there's anyone who don't know Jesus, well, they might have said it a little bit more like Christine, if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm here to pray with you. By a show of hands, how many of you want to head over to the theater with me right after this and go ask the same question as the movie is wrapping up? I see a couple. Look, I see a halfway. But I'm just giving you something to think about, y'all. That's not a test of, that wasn't a test of your faith because the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to tell y'all that. I'm just asking. Those are the kinds of things that you have to be prepared for. You fill yourself up and you realize, you realize that the mission of God, the commission of the good news of Jesus is so much bigger than us. Yeah, we have day-to-day -day lives that we have to deal with. Yeah, we have week-to-week -week lives. Like, we got stuff. Life happens. But there's something so big. God is at work all around the whole world. And I know how it can get because you can't get past your own doorstep. You caught up, we caught up in what's happening right here in our own doorstep. In our own bedroom. At our own address. Like that's a real thing. I'm not saying that it's not a real thing. I'm trying to get you perspective. And what we're happening here, the text that we're reading is all about see you gain different perspective when you stay focused on God. And I know that that's hard. That's why we creating a community of prayer. That's why this is important. Because you can't do it by yourself. But my last point for you is that we have to learn to let Jesus work in us, for us, and through us. That's our biggest challenge. 
if I can wrap it up, if I can share the gospel and the good news with somebody and then they said, but how? Well, we got to learn to let them work in us. Let them work for us. And let them work through us. Because if he does those things, then the part that we have to do is just that much more manageable and that much less daunting. Because we start to realize, I don't have to solve this problem. He will go before me and solve that problem. I don't have to have the answer. I want the answer, yes. But I don't have to have the answer. He can go before me and be working on the solution while I'm just focused on who he is and what he's capable of. To God be the glory. The commission tells us in Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to to the end of the age. Can I tell you, you are the new disciples that Jesus is talking about. See, the commission didn't stop with the 12 that walked with him. He calls them out and says, hey, I need you to do a thing. But then he says, tell the new disciples that I am with them too. I will be with them, teach them to obey my commands, to trust me, and to know that I will work in them, for them, and through them. We talk every week about next steps. And it's all about helping you understand that he's, he, he's the same. He's been the same the whole time. We're the ones who change. We're the ones who change and we're the ones who go through changes. But God is steady and faithful. So whatever your situation is, can I tell you something? You're not the first to go through it. And you won't be the last. But he is the first and the last. And that's why we can trust him from the beginning into the end. message challenged you and moved you forward personally or in faith we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today and if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information